Set to go. Snap ball down. Kick up. Kick is on the way. And it is good! Shotgun, there's the snap, it's felt high. Quick throw, it's intercepted at the goal line. It's intercepted by Malcolm Butler. Malcolm Butler is intercepted Russell Wilson at the goal line. 20 seconds left. And hello, all you faithful followers of Foxborough. We are back on the Full Press Radio Network. This is the Full Press Patriots podcast, and we are coming to you from New England, from the heart of the defending Super Bowl champions, the New England Patriots. I am Mike DeBate, and I am joined tonight by two of my favorite writers and analysts anywhere in the New England media as well as the NFL media. I am so honored to call these gentlemen colleagues, and I am honored to share the microphone with them tonight. I start off with a uh, gentleman who is familiar to our readers, very familiar to our readers, as our preview guru. He absolutely does an amazing job with these pieces. You've read him on a number of different platforms, uh, specifically Musket Fire from Fansided, and you've read him on also Cover 32 and now into full press coverage. Uh, he is the great Hal Bent, and he joins me tonight on the Full Press Radio Network. Hal, welcome to the Full Press Patriots podcast. Thank you so much, Mike. I'm glad to be here and excited to start the 2019 season here with the, the Patriots. Absolutely. We're on to 2019, as the coach would say, in a very much more eloquent terms than I could possibly say. So we'll, uh, we'll leave that <laughs> to him. Um, Joining us in the third chair tonight, in the third host chair, is a gentleman also that needs no introduction. Um, this gentleman does an amazing job with the live game block. I have yet to see a finer person be able to accurately depict each of the action as it happens, uh, bringing you every game, uh, every minute, right up to date. Uh, he provides some of the great content that you'll find on fullpresscoverage.com, not only covering the New England Patriots, but also the Boston Celtics. He's one of the most brilliant NBA minds uh, that we know as well. So this man is multi-talented, and he joins us in the third host chair tonight. Christopher Simino, welcome to the Full Press Patriots podcast, my friend. Thanks, Mike. I'm very, very happy to be here. First time doing a podcast in a long time, and I am very excited about it. Absolutely. Well, you know, the Full Press Patriots podcast was born out of the brainchild of myself and my cohort in crime, my good friend, our editor-in-chief, Ian Glendon, here at Full Press Coverage. And Ian and I had this vision to bring this podcast to the Full Press Radio Network way back in the infancy. As a matter of fact, this is one of the first podcasts, first radio shows that actually came about uh, within the Full Press Radio Network. And now there's, you know, multitudes of shows that are broadcast all day long at all hours of the day, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. There's content available on Full Press Radio. And this show is one that is very near and dear to myself and Ian as well. And I am thrilled that Hal and Chris are going to be joining me on this podcast, uh, bringing you the coverage as only we can do it for your defending Super Bowl champion, New England Patriots. 
As you know, the New England Patriots are about to open training camp. On Thursday, July 25th, the New England Patriots will hold their first organized team practice uh, that will be open to the media as part of um, the training camp procedure uh, that will, uh, you know, open, officially open the 2019 season. I know we've had OTAs, rookie camp, mini camp was back in June, but this is really where this season begins. And I think everybody can relate to that type of anticipation, that type of excitement, especially when you're coming off of a Super Bowl win, a Super Bowl championship, um, a great season for the Patriots last year, um, especially with the way they opened. You know, they have a tendency to do that. They start slow and then they kind of build momentum. And it seemed like all year long the decks were stacked against them, but they just kept winning. They just kept getting the job done. And you owe that to the genius of Bill Belichick, Tom Brady, Josh McDaniels. Uh, you have to throw Brian Flores in there as well. Did an amazing job with the defense last year. But the Patriots are going to look a little different this year. They still have Brady, Belichick, and Josh at the helm. So there's still that brain trust that is intact. However, there is going to be some positional battles and some change in the roster. And most notably, and I think we, none of us, we'd all be remiss if we did not bring up the absence of Rob Gronkowski. And our man Chris is going to get into that in a minute, how this offense might look a little different this year and how they're going to evolve from using the tight end, how they've used it in the past, to what they might do this year. But the one question that I wanted to kick off with you gentlemen was regarding the quarterback position. We know Tom Brady is always absolutely carved in stone. He is chiseled in stone as the starter, and no one is going to challenge that position this year for absolute certain. But it gets a little interest more interesting after that. Brian Hoyer has been the backup now here for a couple of years after the trade of Jimmy Garoppolo. And Hoyer has a reputation of being an excellent scouting man. He has a great reputation of being a very, very good uh, teammate and someone that lends a lot of experience uh, to that position. They used a fairly high draft pick to draft Jarrett Stidham out of Auburn. And a lot of people were surprised that they brought him in um, at that level, bringing in a, a quarterback of that type when it looked like they weren't going to address that need in the draft. Uh, they had a chance to do it early on. A lot of people speculated that they might trade up in the draft to try to get a quarterback. They didn't do that. Stidham looked pretty good in minicamp, but he didn't look amazing, so over the top enough that they would consider possibly cutting Hoyer. We also see Danny Etling now coming in as probably the fourth option, and he looks like the odd man out. My question to you, and we'll kick this off with Hal, my question to you, my friend, is do you think that Jared Stidham could possibly, and I'm not saying he's done it already, but do you think he could possibly show this Patriots brass enough to have them consider heading into the, uh, the, uh, the season with only two quarterbacks, those being Brady and Stidham, and possibly seeing Hoyer as the outside man? Oh, I definitely think that's a possibility. Uh, Stidham definitely has the NFL-ready arm right now. Whether the rest of his game is there, we don't know, but I mean, all we have to do is go back to 2014 and think of how impressive Jimmy Garoppolo was. Very high highs, very low lows in training camp, but still showed enough for the team to go ahead and make the decision to push forward with him as the primary backup, even though he was only a rookie at that time. And the Patriots especially this season, and I know you just went through the 53-man roster up mm -hmm. on the website as well, Mike, um, 
what an exercise in trying to get players to fit. There's probably 63 NFL players on that Patriots roster right now, and every spot is going to be a battle for those last seven, eight spots on that roster, and they just may not be able to afford to carry three quarterbacks because there's so much talent at some of these other positions, Mm -hmm. uh, especially in the secondary and at running back. So they're going to have to carve out an extra spot somewhere. And if Stidham can show that promise, I think they're willing, even with a 42-year-old quarterback, to go forward with a rookie there behind him. Yeah, I think that's a lot of the argument that a lot of people put forth is that, oh, Brady's going to be 42, so they have to address that position. They have to be careful. They have to show that they're willing to you know, invest time and bodies into that position based on Brady's age. Brady is not your typical 42-year-old quarterback. I think, you know, we obviously just saw him cliff diving a couple of days ago with his daughter, which really stirred a real, (laughs) uh, for lack of a better term, sorry, folks, it stirred a Twitter shitstorm. And really, I think it was utterly ridiculous that this was even something that people were all up in arms about. But whatever, we'll get into that. That's an argument for another day. However, Brady is not your average 42-year-old quarterback. He does have that ability to be able to play 16 games and pretty much not bat an eyelash. I don't think anybody is worried about Brady's durability at this point. The only question, obviously, is always injury, and you never, ever want to hear or see or even think about that, but it is something that you do have to consider. With Hoyer... As, as, the, uh, as the backup, a lot of people feel a little bit better having him there. One thing that I did see is that he is owed $1.51 million uh, if they were to cut him. He is guaranteed that salary. He's already been paid out a $200,000 roster bonus, which would have taken it to a little over one point six. But him being there right now uh, is not a very, uh, you know, it's not a huge cap hit. They would have to invest that money, but they're going to be paying that to him anyway. So the question is, is whether Bill Belichick values that roster spot enough to open it up to bring somebody else in. And when I did go through this roster, it absolutely how you hit the nail right on the head. And for anybody that's listened to the show, and Ian and I did it, when I say hit the nail on the head, pretty much everybody is free to take a drink. So by the end of the show, everybody's drunk. And that's good. That's a good thing because to listen to me, you have to be. But in any case, I digress. Um, the the Patriots do have a great deal of question marks uh, in terms of how they're going to be able to fit all of these guys in. It's really one of the few seasons that I can think of with the Patriots where there really don't seem to be a whole lot of holes in their roster. It's a matter of fitting the guys in that they need to get in. Um, One of the things that might look a little bit different, independent of the quarterback position, and this is something that I think we can get into now, and I know um, you know, Chris is really a a really big-time guru when it comes to the evolution of an offense and how things work over there. Because we're on offense, we'll switch it up a little bit and we'll stay in the offensive realm. Obviously, Julian Edelman is, is nursing an, uh, a thumb injury. Everybody saw that. The, uh, the announcement came out a couple of days ago that he was going to be missing at least three weeks' worth of uh, playing time in, the, in training camp, uh, probably the, most of the preseason tilts. I really would be surprised to see him play in any of these four games, to be honest with you, based on what we're seeing. That does open things up for the wide receiver core, and it also puts the spotlight on the running backs and the tight ends. 
This may be a little bit different of a Patriots offense than we're used to seeing in years past. Obviously, Rob Gronkowski has retired. He's left the team. He is no longer there. Whether or not he comes back is up for major speculation. It's my understanding, well, not my understanding, but it's my opinion that I don't believe Rob will be back this year. I just, from what I'm seeing, it just doesn't look that way to me. But that's my opinion. That's not fact. That's not based on anything. I'm not saying that uh, there's not a possibility he may return. I'm just saying I don't think it's a, it's a likely possibility. Chris, when you take a look at this offense in terms of how we're used to seeing the Patriots offense and what they might do in terms of evolution, kind of walk us through what you see from the Patriots offense and what we've seen to what we will see this year on the field in 2019. Well, I think as far as the evolution of this offense, I actually think we've already seen it begin uh, with last year and the way that they've evolved to a more running back-centric offense than a tight end-centric offense. So, you know, with their time in Rob Gronkowski, that's, that's a huge loss for them, but that, this is just a new era for their offense. This is what they do. They reinvent themselves. Um, again, we saw that change last season, and it, it led to a Super Bowl victory. Um, the evolution, actually, some of you... Guys, you guys are a little older, so you'll remember this. It reminds me a little bit of the West Coast offense and how that evolved back in the 80s. Uh, you know, I don't want to sound like a fossil. You know, I'm only 43. But you know, what the Niners did back when they had the late Dwight Clark, rest in peace. The guy was a great tight end. Um, called him a wide receiver, but we all know he was a tight end. Um, he started to slow down in the mid-80s, so they started to incorporate the running backs into the passing game. When I say incorporate, I mean they threw it to them pretty much all the time. Um, James White is a poor man's version of Roger Craig, he, the former force out of the backfield for those great Niners teams back in the 80s. That's a good point. I don't know if you guys, I don't know if you guys remember Ricky Waters. Ricky Waters is another oh, yeah. former Niner. Very well. He's an eagle. Yep, he played in that offense, too, and he was catching 80 to 100 balls on a regular basis. So last year, White, he had 87 catches, and he was targeted 123 times. That's a pretty amazing statistic when you think about it. So... Over the last three years, James White is the most targeted Patriots, most targeted New England Patriot as far as receptions. He, he's not a running back. He's basically a glorified wide receiver. Now they add Damian Harris out of Alabama. Harris, if you look at his stats in college, you know people will say you know he only had 22 catches for 204 yards. But when you play for a school like Alabama as a running back. Typically, you're not going to catch the ball. You're typically going to get the ball handed to you. They throw it to their tight ends a lot. They throw it to their wide receivers a lot. So if you're making 22 catches in, on the year, that's basically a couple catches a game, they have you involved in the passing offense for a reason. So I think one of the reasons why they took him is because if they have an issue with Michelle or if they have an issue with James White, they have a guy like Harris they can plug in. Because at this point, this is what their offense is. It's a running back-centric, throw it to the running backs, hand it to the running backs, Let's protect Tom Brady as much as we possibly can. Let's keep this defense off the field as much as we can. Wear teams out and just run teams over. And we saw it. We saw it last year, and it works. It definitely works. So it's just funny watching because, as we all know, Patriots are typically a little bit ahead of the curve when it comes to beating teams and how to beat them. All these defenses have gone light because all these, te- all these teams have spread everybody out and try to throw. That's what the NFL, that's what football is starting to become. Of course, the Patriots look at it and say, well, let's go the opposite way. Let's have a big offensive line, huge interior offensive line. They beat the crap out of each other with their interior guys, and they just run over teams. And I don't think that's going to stop anytime soon. Now, this is probably going to make some people angry, but the best part about this whole thing is that it all comes to protect their top asset, Tom Brady. 
Brady's downfield accuracy, I'm talking intermediate and the deep outs, things like that, not swinging, not throwing 50 yards down the field. That, that's, that, I don't really include that. I'm talking 20 yards down the seams and talking the deep outs. He's not quite as crisp as he used to be on those throws. So with the tight end being not, I won't say eliminated from the offense, they're still going to use their tight ends. But think of back in the day when they had Daniel Graham and younger Ben Watson. They would have about 40 to 50 catches per year. I think that's what you're going to start seeing now from the tight ends in the Patriots offense. You're going to start to see a little bit less focus on them. You'll start to see these running backs. They're going to start running the routes that the tight ends used to run. And they're going to start getting the ball to the wide receivers a little bit more like they used to when they had guys like David Gibbons, Deion Branch. It's just, I hate to say they're going back to what they used to be, but in a way that's almost like they are on steroids because they can run the ball way better than they used to be able to run it, and they can move the ball way better than they used to be able to just because the evolution of this team. They're just a force. So it's all coming together to keep Brady around as long as possible to not show teams the warts that he is starting to develop because he's 42. He's going to start to slow down eventually. And it's all about running the ball, throwing it to the running backs, nice, short, easy throws, let these athletes do what they can do in space, let Dante do what he can do with the offensive line to make them the best offensive line in football and get away from just a pure passing game and really start to kill teams with uh, with the short throws. And what's going to end up really starting to hurt teams too is they're going to start to get beat on play action because I think Nikhil Harry is going to be a very good pick. He's the type of guy that can go up, make plays in traffic, and they've picked up some other wide receivers this offseason too. That I, just, I think teams are going to be very, very surprised when they see how explosive this offense actually is with the retirement of Gronkowski. And, Mike, I'm on the same boat as you. I don't think that Rob Gronkowski is coming back this year. And I think it's actually going to be a good thing in the long run because you don't want to have that hanging over them the whole season as you're trying to change your offense and finish the evolution as to what you're becoming. Almost similar to what happened when they traded Randy Moss. That was a good thing back in 2010 because that allowed them to just – they changed. That was one of their another one of their evolutions when they went from the the welcome Moss two man show into let's start moving the ball around the different receivers again. They got better, and I think that's what will happen again too. Gronkowski almost turned into too much of a focal point in the offense, and that hurt them a little bit during this run, which has been a great run, but still it's hurt them. Now that he's officially gone, everybody can just focus on what the actual job is for everybody in place, and we're just going to watch this offense flourish this year. I think they're going to run over teams. I just I have a very good feeling about Damian Harris. Sony Michelle, I, I love him as a back, but I'm going to be honest with you guys, I, I don't trust his knees. But they have other guys in place, and they always seem to be able to find running backs that can do it. So the Patriots are running back central at this point, and that's what they're going to be for the next few years. And that's also going to allow them to ease into the next quarterback they have because if they're able to run the ball and that's their style of offense, you can have a quarterback come in that may not be a Tom Brady. You're never going to find a quarterback that's Tom Brady, but at least he'll be able to come in and have a little bit less pressure on him than a guy would come in and say, here you go, we're going to throw the ball 60 times a game and you're going to be the next guy. That That's just going to be a tough thing to do. So with this type of evolution, they'll be able to evolve also into their next tier of quarterback. So it's it's a good plan. I like what they're doing. They've already proven that it works, and now they're going to soup it up to the next level and, and see what they can do um, with some more blocking tight ends and dynamic wide receivers. So that's pretty much what I'm seeing. I think that everybody else is going to see the same thing this year too. Yeah, I think that's an interesting point that you make. I think you made a, a lot of interesting points, but 
one of them that I wanted to echo, uh, which was the point that you made about Damian Harris. And, uh, yes. you know, obviously Sony Michelle is starting the uh, tra- is starting training camp on the, the pup list, which is not a huge shock considering that he didn't get any action in, in minicamp. And a lot of people were wondering whether or not he was going to be able to go for the start of training camp. I think it's a smart move holding him back. Um, by all accounts, it sounds like he's optimistic about being there for the regular season. So, Right now, there's not a tremendous amount of concern, but you make an interesting point when you say you're concerned about his knees, and I think everybody is, um, especially last year when he missed a couple of games and was starting to show maybe one of the reasons why a lot of people did not want to invest a very high draft pick. Sony was somebody that I had actually pegged for the Patriots in that draft, uh, you know, back as far as uh, before the, the, the regular season was uh, was over in 2018. He was somebody that I uh, that I looked at, excuse me, the 2017 season uh, heading into the 2018 draft. I had pegged him as someone that just was the type of back that Bill Belichick loved. Again, I think that they targeted someone like that in Harris this year. They invested a third-round pick in him, so there's definitely an expectation that he's going to be able to contribute to the team. This wasn't a throwaway pick for them. Um, Harris, is he's strong, he's competitive, he's got good size. I really liked that about him. Uh, one thing that I've noticed, and I noticed this in minicamp when I watched film on him, he's very decisive. He's got great vision, and he really has a good burst when finding the scene. I noticed that a lot of times when uh, when I was watching uh, some of the uh, the video on him uh, from his days in college. He really does, he, he shows good contact, and he's able to, to really withstand that contact and get yards after uh, initial contact. So I think that'll be interesting to see how they plug him in, especially if Sony's going to struggle this year with any type of injury issues. I think Harris could be a big uh, addition for that team, uh, and I really, really like his, uh, his addition. One thing that I did want to pick your brain on is you did mention Nikhil Harry, and you mentioned how great of a pickup he was, and I completely agree with you. Um, I was actually in the media room when Harry was drafted that night, and um, everyone just basically looked at the pick and said, yeah, this makes perfect sense. This really makes absolute perfect sense. Getting over the initial shock of who are they going to draft, how are they going to do this, uh, I can't believe Bill Belichick took a wide receiver in the first round, but when you look at Gary's game and you look at what he can bring to the table it really does make a lot of sense some people have suggested that with the absence of Ron Gronkowski that Nikhil Harry can immediately come in and be that type of big target big play threat uh, can really and Harry is really great at being able to make contested catches it's one of his hallmarks take a look at some of the YouTube videos that are on him out there and you'll see that he is one of the one of the more dynamic talents in this draft at being able to do that I think labeling him with that moniker though is dangerous and the reason why it's dangerous is twofold one you're never going to be able to equal that type of hype that Rob Gronkowski brings second of all it also takes away from the fact that this guy is more of a true wide receiver he's not a tight end he's not a blocking tight end he's not someone that's going to be able to withstand some of the contact that a tight end like a Rob Gronkowski could do do you see them using any hybrid packages? And I direct this toward Chris. Do you see any, them using any hybrid packages for him? Um, James Devlin is another uh, possibility that a lot of people have said with the fullback position, he has lined up at tight end in the past. Could they be using him uh, for any type of tight end packages? 
I'm particularly intrigued by the first four games while Watson is serving his four-game suspension because once he comes back, I think the traditional tight end role will start to take more of an effect. But can you possibly see them using Harry or either Devlin in that tight end slot uh, while they're trying to feel out the position? I definitely could see them using Devlin in that spot, and I'm glad that you brought that up because I think with the Patriots are going to feel the loss of Gronkowski isn't going to be in the passing game. It's going to be in the blocking part of it. Absolutely. He's one of those. If he's not the best blocking tight end I've ever seen, then he's in the top three. I've, I mean, I've coached football for years. I've been around the game my whole life. He, he's in the, Rob Gronkowski was like having a third guard on the field. That's how good he was. So replacing him is going to be difficult. So I don't think having Harry in there in those hybrid type situations. I don't think that's what they want to do with him. To be honest with you, Harry kind of reminds me of Anquan Bolden. Um, <laughs> he's the type of guy he really does. He reminds me of him because what you just said. I'm glad you brought that up, too, the way he catches the ball in traffic. You remember Bolden. Bolden could have two guys on him, and it wouldn't matter. In the NFL, if you have somebody open, you're one man on, you're considered open. You need to be able to catch the ball in traffic. So I think that they look at Harry as simply just a wide receiver. But Devlin, I think, absolutely could play some of that tight end spot. Uh, I, I actually like what some of those guys that they picked up at that position. I think that um, – uh, what's his name there, Lacasse, Matt Lacoste. I think Matt Lacoste, yeah. I, th- I think Matt Lacoste is a good ball player. I really do. I think he's the type of kid that those first four games, you know, not having Watson hurts, but I think having a kid like that as a depth guy, and that's something this roster has a lot of this year, I think he, I think he's going to be okay. I think he's going to be all right, and that's one of the reasons why they stuck with him. I was a little disappointed that they didn't go out and maybe pick up somebody a little bit, you know, a little higher name guy, a little bigger of a name, but when you really look at it, tight ends about production and about blocking and if you can block and you can catch when the ball's thrown to you which is what lacoste did the last two years then you're doing your job and that's the biggest thing for them that i'm concerned about is they're blocking up front so yes devlin and lacoste i think are going to have a big big part of the replacement of gronk as far as the blocking and i yes i do think that they'll use devlin in the hybrid packages as a tight end especially over the first month of the season yeah that's a good point. No, it's true, and I agree with you. I absolutely agree. And there has been some turnover on offense. Another position that they've had some turnover on is on the defensive side of the ball, and they have had to endure another big-time loss on the defensive side of the ball. Not as devastating as the loss of a, of a Rob Gronkowski is to an offense, but Trey Flowers had emerged as one of the better defensive ends in the league. He really, really had an amazing season in uh, 2018 and really blossomed into one of the premier players at his position. Got a very, very big-time contract out in Detroit and is now going to join Matt Patricia on that defensive line. Uh, well, probably a little bit later than people think. He's actually starting the, <laughs> he's starting his, uh, his tenure in Detroit on the pup list, which uh, I guess probably raises the eyebrows of a couple of people in in, uh, New England. However, uh, the loss of Trey Flowers is something that this team is going to have to endure, especially seeing that they're not going to be under the tutelage of Brian Flores, their former defensive coordinator who is now the head coach of the Miami Dolphins. Uh, Hal, you wrote a brilliant piece on this and the transition of the defensive end position and how that's going to evolve this year in New England and who might be the guy to step up and take that mantra. Uh, First of all, who do you believe is going to take the the, the baton from Trey Flowers and be that force on the defensive side of the ball at defensive end. And what type of schemes do you see them running this year to compensate for the, of the loss of a guy like Trey Flowers? 
Yeah, the, the loss of Flowers is, is huge because he was the rock on the edge in the the running game. He was the consistent pass rush from the outside on early downs and would move inside on third downs, line up next to Adam Butler there, and give them a push straight up the middle, which you're just not going to be able to replicate. Uh, it's kind of like talking about replacing Rob Gronkowski. There's not going to be one guy replacing Rob Gronkowski. There's going to be three different guys that have to step up. And it's that same way replacing Trey Flowers on the defense there. But Michael Bennett is who they got for basically nothing from the Eagles, uh, just a swap of draft late-round draft picks. Uh, Michael Bennett, who... All you have to think of is uh, Super Bowl 49, where he spent half the game in the backfield harassing Tom Brady uh, when he was with Seattle, is that pass rush presence that that defense desperately needs. They need somebody that can win one-on-one battles. And obviously, you'd like to have more than one guy, but the defense, when Trey Flowers was healthy and on the field, he was in that role. And and I see really Bennett taking that first big step as to replacing Flowers as that pass rusher that has to be accounted for heading into that game that teams are scheming against. And even though he's getting up there in age, he's a brilliant technician using his hands, using leverage, using that quick first step. And I think he'll endear himself well to the Foxborough faithful once they see him out there in a Patriots uniform and his ability to disrupt the quarterback. Yeah, and they make an interesting point about that in terms of Bennett and what he's going to bring to the table. A lot of people were a little surprised when uh, they invested, uh, you know, pretty much next, like you said, next to nothing uh, to be able to bring back a player of Bennett's uh, quality. People wondered whether or not there were character issues or whether or not there might be an, an underlying uh, injury issue. Based on what we're going to see in training camp, I think it'll be interesting to see how he fits into to the system, how he ends up uh, you know, endearing himself to the Foxborough faithful, like you eloquently put. Uh, but I happen to think he's going to be a very welcome addition to this, uh, to this team as well. And they do have some talent at that position that a lot of people are uh, you know, forgetting. I think the loss of Flowers is huge, but they still do have some guys that are capable of playing the position. Uh, John Simon was a guy that they brought in last year after really being on the scrap heap in Indianapolis, came in, did a fairly decent job for them this year. I actually have him penciled in as uh, one of the defensive ends for the team this year. Uh, I actually don't see them parting ways with him. One guy that I just wanted to pick your brain on, and uh, you you did uh, touch on him in your uh, piece, Hal, but a guy that's been, I think, a question mark for a long time now, uh, for, well, a long time, figuratively, I'd probably say the last couple of years, is Derek Rivers. Uh, They invested a third-round pick in Derek uh, when they drafted him in the 2018 draft. And when he came in, excuse me, 2017 draft, when he came in, I think a lot of people were looking at him as a potential steal. I remember seeing that draft and saying, wow, they brought in uh, Derek Rivers, they're going to have Dietrich Wise Jr., and this is going to be a really, really formidable tandem uh, for them this year. Wise has had some injury issues, but for the most part, he's been a solid player. I don't know if he's necessarily lived up to all of his expectations, but he's been pretty solid. 
But Rivers is a healthy scratch more often than not, and he's had difficulty staying on the field. Some of that is injury-related, but some of it has been healthy scratches. Uh, Is there something under the radar here that the average fan is not seeing when it comes to Rivers? And do you believe he'll be one of the men standing uh, at the end of training camp? Because I actually have him not making the final roster of this team. Yeah, he's tough to figure out because really, you know, he came in with, you know, a high draft grade and being able to get him in the third round, a lot of that was due to, you know, his um, not being in a major program in college to hurt his draft stock. But the athleticism in that first training camp, you know, he, he jumped off the field with that. And then, you know, balling your knee out after that, basically redshirting that first season, I felt like they they brought him along very, very slowly last year. And it, it was almost as if they didn't want to put him in a position to go out on the field and fail as a pass rusher. And I think a lot of that was why we saw people like Keonta Davis getting snaps ahead of him, John Simon, as you had said as well, who was brought in um, really to get him into that, you know, second rookie season. It was really his rookie season, and, and they treated him, you know, the Patriots have been known to to bring some rookies along very, very slowly in the past. Um, you know, Jamie Collins didn't get on the field until the second half of his rookie season. Chandler Jones and Dr. Hightower really had to earn their roles on that defense, even though they got quite a bit of playing time um, by the end of that rookie season. And I And I felt like you know, they treated Rivers like it was a rookie season, and they brought him along very, very slowly. And, and really it was, you know, the last couple games of the season when he finally got on the field and, and picked up a sack against the Jets in that meaningless finale game. But, he, you know, I think it's he's going to be a year removed. He's going to be going into, you know, this first off season where he's not a rookie or rehabilitating. That's a big plus for him. And he's got all the athleticism. He's got the talent to be able to, you know, to keep Simon um, off the roster if he fulfills that potential. And Bill Belichick was very, very complimentary of Rivers throughout the year about his hard work on the scout team and everything. And I think they're really going to give him an opportunity um, you know, Dietrich Wise is a little banged up going into camp. Chase Winovich is a rookie. I really think Rivers is going to have an opportunity to fight for, you know, one of those top roles across from Bennett on that defensive line. And I actually, I, like I said, I actually don't have him making the final roster, but I'm rooting against my own prediction, and I'm rooting vehemently against my own prediction because I was one of those guys that really loved the fact that they were able to pick up Rivers. I loved what he brought to the table, and I remember watching film on him and saying, wow, if he can put this all together, what a great fit he's going to be in this defense. A lot of people were you know, talking, and you know, how we go back to uh, the, uh, the Cover 32 days when we, were, when we were covering the team for Cover 32, and you know, I remember remember a lot of the guys, a lot of the managing editors and whatnot saying, I can't believe they got him. That's it. I quit. That's it. That's done. The New England Patriots, <laughs> exactly. they get everybody. They get all the breaks. They get all these guys that just fall in their lap. And I remember thinking what a great pickup he was. And it always kind of... It always kind of baffled me that uh, we weren't necessarily seeing the Derek Rivers that I thought we were getting. So I don't have him cracking the, the, uh, the roster, but I do root for that to happen. And I, I hope 
I really do hope that I'm wrong and that you're right in this case. So uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens. That's why I don't make the decisions, and thank God I don't make the decisions. We don't want to know what that team would look like if I were making the uh, the personnel decisions. Um, Before we move on from training camp battles, one that really I think is betwixt and between Patriots fans when it comes to uh, some of the uh, other roster battles is one that I find a little on the amusing side, but also on the intriguing side as well. And that is a roster battle during the, um, (laughs) for lack of a better term, it's in special teams. And you very rarely see that type of a special teams battle uh, be something that I think a lot of people are going to have their eyes on. But this is one that commands significant attention. And that is the drafting of punter Jake Bailey to push punter Ryan Allen. And I think this is going to be one of the fiercest competitions in uh, training camp. You saw it in minicamp. These two guys came out, and they came out with guns blazing. Uh, the both of them looked very. Uh, I think they looked, uh, you know, very formidable. Each one. So it's really going to be interesting to see the competition between these two heat up during training camp. I'll open this up to Chris first, and then Hal, I'll let you jump in. Chris, if you have, first of all, if you've seen any uh, um, film on Jake Bailey and the fact that he is a right-footed punter. He does have a huge leg. I mean, this guy was booming 70-yard punts like they were nothing in minicamp. Do you believe that he can put significant pressure on Ryan Allen to get that spot? You have to think that there's got to be something there in order for them to invest draft capital in this guy um, and significant draft capital to get him. Uh, Or do you believe that Ryan Allen is still the guy that is going to make this work and somehow he can win the job from from uh, uh, Jake Bailey, as he did with Corey Barroquez last year. Um, what are your initial thoughts on this camp battle, and uh, can can Bailey be the guy at the end of this? I think he can, and I think Ryan Allen should be nervous. And I think it's unfortunate for a guy who very easily could have been the Super Bowl MVP last year. Good point. But the thing with Allen is he's had his moments where it's like, what's going on here? I'm a, I'm a special teams coordinator, so this is near and dear to my heart right now. You take the best guy. And the moment they saw that they drafted a punter, the the alarms went off. So there's something about Ryan Allen that Belichick doesn't like. There's this something. It's either the way he handles the ball, it's the way he doesn't the way he gets it off. There's something about him he doesn't like. Now, he's held on to him because he's been the best guy, he's had the best results. But when they continue to bring in guys to battle somebody else, that's usually especially in that type of position that's usually a sign that they're going to probably eventually move on here. Um, I, I would not be surprised in the slightest bit if Jake Bailey was the opening day punter for the Patriots and Ryan Allen was punting for the Jets. <laughs> and that wouldn't even be a surprise at all. I think Allen would move on to a team probably in the AFC East because he's a very good punter. But I just, if you're going to invest in a punter, and they, he's got a booming leg. I mean, I'm, I'm a USC fan. I probably shouldn't admit that, but I am. So I've watched Stanford a lot. I've watched him the last four years. Unfortunately, USC doesn't make Stanford punt all that much, but in the times that I've watched them, he's, he's impressive. He can put it where he wants. He's got a booming leg, and he did drop off a little bit from his junior to his senior year, but his punts, he punted the ball 10 more times, so I don't know, maybe he got a little bit worn down, but still he averaged 44 foot yards of punt last year, 45 yards as a junior. The guy's legit. So I just, with his smoke, there's fire, and I just, this is the second, like you said, they brought in competition for him last year. But to go ahead and draft somebody this year to, to go up against them, I think Allen's days could be numbered. 
Yeah, I think it's interesting that you bring that up. And uh, the one thing about Bailey that really kind of opened my eyes when they drafted him, because I was I, I, naturally, I think everybody was a little bit surprised that they would spend a draft pick on a punter. Um, yeah. But Bailey is not your average punter. He's a guy that can really bring something to the table. He's also a fairly adept kicker as well. <laughs> and I'm not saying that he's going to put pressure on Steven Gostowski. That's certainly not the case. But we've seen situations where Gostowski has missed field goals, and a lot of people have questioned whether or not Gostowski could possibly you know, be either, I don't want to say losing it, because I think that's a really gross you know, a misinterpretation of the truth, but a lot of people have questioned whether or not, you know, he was going to be able to, uh, you know, handle the load if, you know, maybe age was getting to him or a number of different things that you hear when it comes to Steven Gostowski. I do think he gets a little bit of a raw deal when it comes to that. I know everybody has Adam Vinatieri ingrained in their memory, uh, especially, you know, the older Patriots fans like us. Uh, we remember uh, the greatness of Vinatieri, but a lot of people also forget that Vinatieri missed his share as well, so it's not a situation where I think there's so much of a dichotomy between the two, but Bailey could come in here and theoretically be a guy that could take over some kicking duties if there was an injury to, uh, to, to Gostowski or something to that effect. So that also makes him pretty, uh, you know, pretty interesting in terms of whether or not they would, uh, they would put him on the field. I do have Bailey in my uh, 53-man projection, and I have Ryan Allen um, on the outside looking in. Hal, just to kind of put a bow on this uh, subject, uh, and then we'll move on. Um, were you surprised that they drafted the uh, uh, the punter uh, when they did? And second of all, if the Patriots do move on from Ryan Allen, where do you see him possibly landing? Chris just mentioned AFC East, and that's something that I've been thinking about. Uh, that's a possibility. I know that there are probably AFC East teams. One might be the Buffalo Bills, the Miami Dolphins, even the New York Jets could possibly take a flyer on him. Where do you think he might end up if the Patriots end up moving on from Ryan Allen. Yeah, it's funny. You start seeing these, uh, you know, Patriots alumni popping up in other other cities now, and so you're looking at it and you say, geez, anybody the Patriots release, release you know they're going to go, Miami's going to be looking at them with a fine mm-hmm. tooth comb, you know. Um, you know, Buffalo loves looking at uh, Patriots players as well. That, that was my first thought as well when you were talking about where might he end up. And I wouldn't discount Matt Patricia in Detroit either um, as a possibility of bringing in somebody like Bailey. Um, as far as putting a bow on this competition, I don't think there's any coach in the NFL that probably worries more about who's his emergency kicker than Bill Belichick. So you know that's going to be part of that role um, in his head looking at Bailey and saying, if Gustowski pops a hamstring and I need an extra point, you know, do I want Edelman kicking the extra point or do I want, you know, somebody I'm almost comfortable with in Jake Bailey? That's something to think about that's a big role in that. And just, you know, the other thing I thought of is nobody separates, you know, there's, there's very few head coach and general managers in one title because it's so difficult to separate what you're doing on the practice field and then stepping off the field and taking off that hat and looking at that team objectively. And that's one of the most underrated aspects of Bill Belichick's tenure here in New England is his ability to do that. And the first thing I thought of this offseason when they re-signed Brian Allen is this is a punter on his second contract, and that's very, very rare Mm -hmm. for the Patriots. 
Right. Look at how Allen got his job, taking that away from Zoltan Mesko, who was mm-hmm. more than adequate as a punter here in New England as well. So right. when I look at Ryan Allen and I say, he's going to curse twice as much as Jake Bailey, you know, that puts a huge target on him heading into this season. And it's not just that he has to beat out Bailey, but he has to decisively beat out Bailey because if it's anywhere close, we know they're going to go for the less expensive option there to, to free up some money to add to that depth during the right regular season. Yeah, and very, very interesting. And the contract is something that a lot of people don't anticipate when it comes to a punter. It's not. It's almost an afterthought. People don't think of, all oh, well, punters are making big money or anything like that. But when you think about what they could be paying Bailey as opposed to what they're going to be paying Allen, it does make things interesting. You do mention Bill Belichick worrying about the emergency kicker. I just wanted to throw this stat for all of our, uh, our listeners here. Bailey, when he was a senior in high school, connected 12 of 16 field goal attempts and made field goals of 50 yards or more three times, including a 54-yarder. So this kid can kick. (laughs) I know it's at the high school level, and I know that it's been a little while since he's done it, but he does have the ability to do it. So things to keep in the back of your mind. Uh, Jake Bailey was a guy that I know a lot of people had their eyes on in minicamp. You could hear the, the rumblings of everybody watching him as he took the field and as he started to kick and he started to, you know, boom the uh, you know these rockets into the sky. Um, it's going to be interesting to see. But you know Ryan Allen. A lot of people said the same thing about Ryan Allen last year, where Baroquez came in here, and a lot of people thought he was going to push him. Allen really put it up to you know warp speed seven, and really I think uh, you know pushed himself to the absolute limit and won the job. He was definitely the better of the two men when uh, the dust settled. So it'll be interesting to see what the competition looks like this year. Okay, I'm going to put you guys on the spot here, and I'm going to ask you uh, a question that you know most most people are eager to answer, but it's a tougher question than most people think. It sounds easy, but it's really not. If there's one guy out there on this entire invitee list of players that are going to be in training camp. What is your boldest prediction of a guy that either is going to make the roster or a guy that is going to be cut? Chris, I'm going to put you on the hot seat first. Who do you think is going to be the surprise roster grab, and who do you think is going to be the guy on the outside looking in where people will probably look at it and go, wow, I didn't see that coming? I'm going to throw a big one out there that I think is going to surprise people, and it's going to come from the linebacking core. No, it's not Dante Hightower, so everyone can relax. I think that a Landon Roberts can be in jeopardy of being not on the Patriots roster this upcoming season. Um, There's quality players all over the place at that position now. Um, You know, you get Juwan Bentley coming back off the off the being gone for the entire season. Juwan Bentley looked like a superstar in the making during the preseason last year. Yeah. And I understand that with the preseason, but he was playing against starters. He had the mic in his helmet. He was right. he looked so impressively last year that I just don't see him not being on the field on a regular basis. You brought you brought back Jamie Collins. Jamie Collins is gonna he's gonna be a good soldier. He's gonna do what they asked him to do. He went out, he got his money He's back here now. He understands what went wrong the first time he was here. He's the type of guy that comes back and steps up and, has, and, and does well. And there's another guy, too, that's kind of a uh, – people don't really talk about him, but before he got hurt last year, Christian Sam looked like a pretty good player, too. So they have depth at that position, and I like Landon Roberts. I think he's a, good, he's a good tackler. He's good against the run. He's a major liability against the pass. The way I look at it with the Patriots is – and 
I was going to mention this earlier, but we got so into the other things. But I think this is a year that you're going to see a lot of trades during their preseason because mm-hmm. it's not a matter of if they have seen, and Hal brought it up earlier, he said that there's you know, up to 65 NFL players on this roster. That's 100% true there is. So other teams are going to notice that too. So the Patriots, you know, you'd think, well, teams will just wait and they'll wait for them to release them and then they'll go pick them up. Well, why would they do that? Why would you not go trade for a guy like Orlando Roberts if you're a team who's, you know, say the Raiders or a team that struggles stopping the run? You need to go plug in a middle linebacker that can play and make 100 tackles for you. Orlando Roberts can do that. Now, he's going to give up some passing touchdowns and he's going to give up some plays, but he's going to make plays too. You give up a fifth-round pick for that, and that's how the Patriots are going to have to look at it this offseason. So I think I think Orlando Roberts is definitely number one on my list as guys I think is could be in big trouble. And I'm going to throw a second guy out there just because I have to, because this is something I've been thinking about all day. Something's going to happen with the defensive backs. Mm-hmm. There's no getting around this. Some, yeah. Someone's going to get cut or traded that nobody – people are going to say, how the hell did that happen? I think that a guy – you know, I know that his twin brother's here and this and that, but I think a guy like Jason McCourty could be someone who could be in trouble. I think Duke Dawson, who's a second-round pick – I don't think they're going to wait around to see if he has it. If he can't do it, he's going to go. They drafted Juwan Williams. J.C. Jackson looks like an up-and-coming future starter. So I think Duke Dawson somebody who's in, in, in danger, and unfortunately I think that Obi uh, Melifano could be in danger too, but that wouldn't be a huge surprise. But I see McCourty, Dawson, and Roberts are my three guys that I'm really concerned about that I have a feeling are not going to be on the roster in 2019. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Yeah, and I, Roberts is actually the guy that I would suggest as the surprise cut to. Uh, I actually didn't have him making my 53 man, and I'm getting hate mail as a result of it. It really surprises <laughs> me. Uh, I'm getting a lot of feedback from people. What's the matter with you? What do you want? Crack Ro- Ro- Roberts? Everybody, everybody Roberts loves going? a little guy. Everybody loves a land, and I love a Landon too. Listen, I love me too. the guy. Yep. It, it really, really hurt that I had to put him on the outside looking in, and I'm looking at it, and I'm going, I can't believe I'm not writing him in. But when you take a look at depth at the position, I agree with you a wholeheartedly on Bentley. This is a guy they were very, very high on last year. Um, I uh, recently was uh, a guest on the uh, the One Patriots Place podcast with uh, Thomas Murphy and Steve Balistrieri, and we all really were singing the praises of Bentley, and we were really looking forward to seeing him come back and seeing what he's got uh, in the tank. So to me, I think it's it's a natural uh, you know fit for, for him to be there. Uh, you did mention trades, and I think I completely agree with you on that as well in terms of guys that we might. Another guy that could be on the trading block, and, and he's really, I think he's been very, very good here, but another guy that... Uh, and, an option to keep on the trading block and to keep an eye on is Jonathan Jones. And even though that they did, uh, you know, invest the uh, uh, the draft, uh, uh, you know, obviously the uh, the draft protection on him and whatnot, and getting him back into the fold, he could fetch a pretty good return, especially if it looks like uh, some of these guys are going to emerge, like a Keon Crossan, who I have cracking the roster, and a lot of people have him you know not making the roster i think his special teams acumen is is ultimately what lands him on the roster um as opposed to some of the other guys i think if if jones does you know stay with the roster uh then he's here i don't you know find i don't believe they'll cut jones they might trade him if the right package came along but i don't see them releasing him if they don't get what they're looking for in return then i think they carry him on the roster and i think that's just due 
Hal, when it comes to guys that we are looking at, and I, you know, mentioned, uh, you know, briefly, and to kind of touched upon some of the guys that I thought might be a surprise addition to the roster when I mentioned uh, uh, Keon Crossan. If it's not Crossan, and if it is, I apologize for stealing your thunder, but if there is a guy right now that a lot of people are looking at as probably not a guy that you would think will make the roster and ultimately would make the roster, who do you see as being a surprise addition to this roster this year? Yeah, you know, you, you kind of stole my thunder with Jonathan Jones being on the outside looking in there because, mm-hmm. again, when we look at Bill Belichick, the general manager, Jonathan Jones has a lot of money tied up in him mm-hmm. this year for a player who doesn't have a huge role automatically, right. especially with the competition with Joe, John Williams and right. uh, Dawson coming back as well. Um, and J.C. Jackson, who's, you know, basically – looks like he's going from undrafted free agent to first-round starting uh, cornerback talent mm-hmm. there. Um, and another, I, I hate to stay in this crowded secondary because if there's one position of strength, it's this secondary. But I absolutely love seventh-round pick Ken Webster. Now, he's on the pup list starting training camp here, but I look at him and I see a lot of J.C. Jackson in this guy. Yeah. He, he was red-shirted his uh, freshman year he um, lost the season due to a knee injury he came back he was suspended at Ole Miss for off-field shoplifting arrest and then his mother got sick he transferred um, out of there to uh, junior college came back I mean he's and now you're looking at a guy who's 23 years old Um, you know he's played in the SEC his athleticism testing was fantastic. Mm-hmm. You know, you look at those three-cone drills, and he's one of the top cornerbacks in the draft there, and you know the Patriots are looking at that three-cone. Oh, yeah. Um, so here's a guy that love it. good size, 5'11", 200 pounds, uh, competitive. He's a little bit older, 23, which gives him a little more maturity as well. And now we're looking at, oh, my God, we've got yet another cornerback that may be 14 for the um, yeah. where they just keep pulling up these late-round pick undrafted free agents and developing them there at cornerback. I love the I love that you mentioned Webster. Uh, I uh, I mock drafted Webster prior to the 2019 draft. It was actually the only pick I got right, so I like to hang my hat on that. <laughs> but uh, Webster is a guy. He really is a guy that does have patriot written all over him and i'm not talking about the off the field issues because we'll put those aside for a moment but i am talking about what he brings to the table he did raise some eyebrows he was faster than people thought he was going to be during the combine and i think that opened a lot of eyes and showed people that he can get the job done if he's healthy um could he be a possible candidate for the foxborough flu well that's what i that's what i'm thinking as well there's going to be a lot of you know Yeah, I know a lot of people don't like to talk about the Foxborough flu. I know a lot of people don't like to do that, but we saw Barrios come down with it last year. Uh, We saw Christian Christian Sam come down with it last year. So, you know, I mean, it does happen. And, I mean, it's a part of what players and, excuse me, part of what coaches do to protect players they really like that maybe are not ready for the, uh, not ready for prime time uh, at uh, at this uh, stage of the game, but they do want to preserve them down the line. To me, I think Webster is one of those guys that could be uh, a, a Foxborough flu candidate. Um, one last thing before we uh, before we uh, just uh, close it out with a couple of uh, um, you know predictions for uh, for the um, uh, for training camp. 
This team does have a streak going where undrafted free agents uh, have a tendency to work their way onto the team. You know, we've seen players have come in and have a tremendous you know amount of success being an undrafted free agent, and they find their way onto the 53-man roster. This year seems to be difficult, and it seems to be difficult for a lot of reasons. One, uh, both of you mentioned that this is a team that is extremely deep. There's probably about 63 to 65 guys that are NFL-ready caliber uh, that are able to uh, be on this team. And there's only 53 slots, and there's only so many slots available per position. When you look at the list of undrafted free agents that the New England Patriots have, which guy is most likely to crack this roster? Or really, is there not a guy that is, able, that is going to be on the roster at the end of the, uh, uh, the uh, training camp? The reason I say that is I actually don't have an undrafted free agent on the roster this year. Um, in my initial uh, you know, um, uh, roster uh, projection that I, I put out there today. So am I wrong? And if so, who's the guy that I'm missing that I probably should have given more attention to? Oh, no, go ahead, Howie. You can, no, no, Howie, go ahead. You can jump in, and then Chris will take it. Okay. <laughs> All right, sure. Um, I have one that jumped out at me, um, Miami Hurricane swing tackle Tyree St. Louis. Mm. Um, so here's a guy that's played on the left. He's played on the right. He's got NFL size. He's got good strength, um, some fancy feet, positional versatility. That just screams Patriots there, and I think, you know, a, a summer in Camp Scar to get those fundamentals down, and you've all of a sudden got him, you know, maybe, you know, I know they drafted a tackle, and I'm not even going to try the name, Yodney Kajuse there as well. <laughs> um, maybe he I comes like down with the Foxborough flu. You've got a question mark with win at tackle, and, you know, the rest of the tackle group, you know, you're looking at the Dan Skippers and Cole Crostons of the world there. So mm-hmm. I think there's a spot there, um, and I think, you know, he has the potential to be able to be that undrafted free agent to, to step up and, and grab that last spot on the offensive line. Yeah, it's amazing when you talk about the offensive line, and, you know, we've gone through a good amount of uh, uh, the podcast so far, and we've discussed positions, and the offensive line is such a key position, and we haven't even touched upon it, basically. Very, very seldom touched upon it, and that, I think, is such a a, a testament to Dante Scarnecchia in terms of the time and the, the just the energy and the uh, the expertise that he brings to the table. I don't think there's a finer offensive line coach in football. Uh, really, uh, I, I'd be hard-pressed to find one uh, that has ever been as prolific as, as he's been, and just the job that he's done year in and year out with the offensive line is tremendous, and uh, I think he's got a really good group to work with this year. Uh, Chris, in terms of undrafted free agents, uh, you know, Hal uh, obviously uh, mentioned uh, uh, St. Louis. Um, who is is St. Louis your guy, or if not, who's the guy that no, you no. had your eye on? I actually, I, there's two guys that I actually like a lot. Uh, first one is Jacoby Myers, wide receiver out of NC State. Yep. Uh, I know Myers is a big name guy, and this and that, and that's why people kind of keep an eye on him. But the thing that I like about him, he produces. He, he's right. a productive receiver. 92 catches for a thousand yards as a junior at NC State. Playing in the ACC, that's not an easy conference to play in. Mm-hmm. Uh, not a lot of chances in the red zone, which kind of surprised me a little bit considering 6'2 is pretty good size. But with the Patriots wide receivers, that that seems to be a spot where a lot of guys have kind of cracked through 
as far as the undrafted players, maybe not making the initial roster, maybe he'll end up on the practice squad. But Myers is a guy that I definitely think could be somebody that that breaks through, especially if there's a couple injuries. Remember the injury uh, rash that we had last year, wide receiver was unbelievable. A guy like that, you know, who knows, he would have stuck around last year too. So he's one to keep an eye on. And I also like Malik Gant from Marshall, the defensive back from Marshall. He was impressive when he played uh, for Marshall. The thing is with him, he didn't do too well at the Combine. Combines can be a little dangerous at times. Once you get down to the lower levels, these guys all have the same numbers. They run a 4.6 or they run a 4.7 and they don't look great. The next thing you know, they get into camp, they put the equipment on, which changes everything as far as how fast you are and how you can move. And their IQ level is higher than some of these guys that test out with higher scores as far as their athleticism. And next thing you know, you have the teams like the Patriots who find undrafted free agents all the time. That's what I look at when I see Malik Gant. The thing I like about Gant also is that he's a special teams guy, and I think that there's going to be somebody maybe in this special teams core that's been around for a long time that's going to get cut. Maybe Nate Ebner, maybe, I don't want to say Slater because Slater's just a god around here, and I love the guy. I wouldn't want to see that happen, but I do think that maybe one of their core special teamers could get cut, and I think Gant could be one of the guys that forces him off the team. Yeah, it could be, and Gann is definitely an impressive specimen. There's no question about it. And you also mentioned Myers, who really I think a lot of people are very high on. He is really projected in uh, a number of different uh, people's um, uh, mock rosters that are they're presenting right now, and a lot of people are pretty high on him. Uh, there was some... I don't want to say a minor buzz. I don't want to say a major buzz, but there was some minor buzz and some eyes opened when the New England Patriots made... Andrew Beck, the highest-paid undrafted free agent out there. A lot of people looked at it and said, well, they're probably using that and they want to target that, and he probably has a good chance of making the the, uh, the team at tight end. I know, Chris, you mentioned the tight end position earlier and you went into some great detail there, but do you possibly see Beck cracking this team as the tight end? Because at this point, I don't know, I just don't see it. I think the New England Patriots go into the first four games with two tight ends. Um, I have them going with Lacasse, who I think showed a lot during minicamp. I think he proved that he can be uh, the uh, the lead tight end. Uh, and I think Ryan Izzo, having him you know, with some familiarity with the uh, the system, uh, makes the team as the, two, uh, as the second tight end. But could we see Beck possibly thrown in there as a third guy I think they're going to leave that spot open and try to fill it with a uh, um, uh, with a veteran. But what what are your thoughts on uh, on this? Both of you, I'll open it to uh, to Chris first and then to Hal. Uh, do you think Beck has a chance to make this roster as uh, either a third uh, tight end option uh, or someone that they could possibly stash away uh, in hopes of using him down the line? I definitely think he has a chance to make the the fifty three man. Actually, to be honest with you, I think he could beat out Izzo. They really like him. Thing is, though, if he it all comes down to to knowing this offense and learning it, and if he can't know it by the time the first preseason game gets here, and Izzo does, as you just said, he's, he has familiarity with the offense, then that's going to pretty much decide how it goes. Um, a guy like Beck, I think they'd be able to squeeze him through and get him onto the practice squad, and I know how yeah. much they, obviously the amount that they paid him, they value him as a player, and they like him, but at the same time, it, it's, it's one of those things that this season, they just have so much talent, and if you look at it and say, all right, do we really want to, waste a spot on a kid that we picked up as an undrafted free agent. Yes, I understand it's, you gave him a decent amount of money, but it's just money at that point. You don't want to give away talent in order to just because you paid him a little bit more. So I think he's the type of guy that definitely has a shot to make the roster, but I, when it all comes down to it, I do think that they'll carry two. I think Izzo's going to be the second guy, and I think Beck will be on the practice squad. 
Okay. Hal, your thoughts on uh, the tight end position about uh, Izzo, a guy that we haven't even mentioned, is Steven Anderson, who is actually still on this roster and fighting for a spot. Uh, do any of these guys have a chance to uh, to possibly crack that? I think Lacoste is probably the only uh, I think probably the only roster lock at this point at tight end. I think everybody else is still a little bit in flux. Uh, do you agree with uh, with Chris that Beck does have a shot with Izzo, or is there probably a guy out there that maybe that we haven't even thought of yet that could end up being that second tight end option? Yeah, I, I think I, I agree with Chris that, that Beck has a chance, and I think it goes back to what he was talking about earlier in the podcast where we talk about the, the evolution of this Patriots offense. And, mm-hmm. you know, it goes back to you, you know you're not going to replace Rob Gronkowski. There's no other Rob Gronkowskis out there that are mm-hmm. an all-pro blocker and an all-pro deep threat at tight end. So you evolve the offense away from that tight end position which they've done in the past as well. I mean, remember this team won four Super Bowls without Rob Gronkowski on the field at tight end. So they're mm-hmm. perfectly capable of doing that. So how that, you know, if they come into the plan and they say, you know, we're going to come in with a, a primary receiving tight end and a blocking tight end, you know, and say, we're just going to plug Lacoste into the Gronkowski role and we need to plug somebody into the Dwayne Allen role, then Brian Izzo is the front runner because he's probably the strongest blocker of that bunch. But if you're going to look at your tight ends and say, we're going to ask them to do different things than we asked Dwayne Allen to do, and we're going to ask them to do things that we um, wouldn't necessarily do if we had Rob, Rob Gronkowski on the field, and that versatility, that opens up the role for Andrew Beck, for Steven Anderson, to try to force their way onto that roster. Um, you know, somebody like Jacob Johnson, who's more of a hybrid fullback tight end, um, pure blocker there as well. So if you're opening up that role and you're evolving that offense, you know, it's not as simple as, okay, we need one receiver and one blocker here at tight end. So I think it's, personally, I think it's wide open there in that spot. And I give back an equal chance uh, as anyone else in that group as far as who's going to emerge and, and earn that roster spot. But definitely agree with you. Until Watson comes back, I think it's only two at tight end, Mike. Yeah, and I agree. I think that, uh, that that's really how they're probably going to approach that. And again, you know, it's, they always reserve the right for a, uh, a veteran to be able to come in. Uh, we saw them do it a few years ago with Al J. Crumpler bringing him in and having him be sort of like a mentor to a young, you know, tight end group uh, that really ended up being one of the most prolific when you talk about Rob Gronkowski and, and Hernandez. I think, you know, you, you look at some of those guys uh, that, they, that they brought along and how they used the tight end position. Position. Um, this year, I think, is going to be a transition. Um, we're up, almost up against it in terms of, uh, of, of time, but I did want to just cover one thing where you guys uh, could uh, give me, and a lot of, we've covered a lot of different guys that we're going to be watching in training camp, and really, at this point, speaking not as an analyst, but as a fan, uh, where would you, 
If you're going to training camp and you're looking in training camp, who's the one guy that you want to have your eyes on throughout training camp uh, that you're just absolutely enamored with watching and can't wait to see what he can do? Could be a veteran, uh, could be a, a, a rookie, uh, it could be Coach Belichick. I don't know. It depends. It depends on what you like to watch. Uh, you know, I've, I've been in training camp and watched him. He's not the most exciting guy to watch in the world, but who's the guy that you're going to have your eyes on uh, when it comes to training camp and seeing what he can do this year? Hal, we'll start with you. Um, I'm well known for my giant man crush on Philip Dorsett. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I look at Dorsett and I see all the qualities of Dion Branch in a wide receiver. And I just, all of last season, I just looked at him and I said, why isn't he putting up Dion Branch numbers in this offense? And granted, Dion Branch, a lot of the time, didn't have. Um, you know, the same offense around them that they're running right now. But but I look at Dorsett and I go, you know, he can work over the middle of the field. He can work the intermediate routes. He can get deep if necessary. He's got that straight line speed. He doesn't have great size, but he's got good awareness when the ball is in the air. I mean, I think there was some ridiculous number of completions um, on targets last year at some point throughout the playoffs before Brady threw an incompletion towards him. So I look at that as a, as a guy that, you know, can, has the opportunity. Chris Hogan's gone. There's a lot of snaps at wide receiver that, that he could take right now and really carve out a big role opposite Julian Edelman. And that's somebody I really want to see at camp and see if he takes a, a big step forward this season in the offense. Interesting. No, and I think that's a good. Uh, uh, that's a very, very good uh, person to uh, to watch. And you know, we've been. It almost seems like we've been waiting for Dorsett to really come into his own. And we saw it last year with the synergy he was developing with Tom Brady. And I am a big Dorsett fan. I think he's lightning fast. He really does bring a lot to the table. And I like him as a receiver. So I'll be definitely watching for uh, uh, for him as well. Uh, Chris, who are you going to have your eye on this year in terms of uh, uh, guys in training camp that you can't wait to watch? I hope you don't mind. I have two. I have one from each side of the ball that I have a crush on that I'm no, really by all means. to see. Okay, so offensively, I, I'm very interested in seeing what Braxton Berrios can bring to this offense. And not just the offense. Yep. I, think he can be a, I think he can be a punt returner for this team, too. So yeah. from what I saw from him when he was at Miami compared to what I'm seeing, you know, as far as what I'm reading, I think the kid can crack the roster, and I think the kid can be a very productive player in the NFL. We've seen it many times with his type of player, slot receiver, quickness, the way he runs his routes. Those guys are tough to defend. They're ankle breakers. And when you, those guys are not hard, they're not easy to find, and the Patriots seem to have this knack at finding them. And I just cannot wait to watch him play in the preseason. It was unfortunate that he got hurt last year. So he's my number one guy. He's my offensive crush for, for 2019. Hopefully he doesn't get cut, because if he does, I might be heartbroken. Uh, on defense, I, I'm very, very intrigued by Chase Winovich. Yeah. You know, he's a rookie, but he's not a 20-year-old rookie. He's not a 21. He's, he's an older rookie. This guy, he did five years in college. And the thing I like about him, too, is there's a story, I don't know if, um, actually, when I did the profile on him, I wrote about this. Mm-hmm. He grew up as a huge Ohio State fan, yeah. and he got recruited by Urban Meyer. <laughs> he saw Urban Meyer as a fake person, and he saw right through it and said, you know what, I, I may love Ohio State, but the feeling he got from the Michigan coaches, and I can't, remember, I can't think of his name off the top of my head at the time, it was the coach right before Harbaugh, he said that he's real, and... 
I want to go play for a coach that's real. There's no more real coach in, in football than Bill Belichick. There's no more real coaching staff than the New England Patriots. They're going to tell it to you how it is, and you're either going to get better or you're not. You're going to be on another team or you're not going to be in the NFL anymore. I think that Chase Winovich is going to flourish as a Patriot, and I, I just cannot wait to see. I want to see how long it's going to take, but I just can't wait to, to watch the road and watch the path because I really do think the kid has a ton of ability, and I think he's a perfect fit for what they need. And it's uh, Hal, I'm, I'm glad you brought up Michael Bennett earlier because I actually think that Bennett's going to fill that role pretty nicely as far as what happened with the, the loss of Trey Flowers. But I think Winovich is the type of guy that needs to maybe become the replacement for Michael Bennett down the road. So he's, an, uh, he's a guy that I think is going to get on the field this year, but I think eventually he's going to be a star, and I cannot wait to see how it all develops starting from day one this season. That's great. That really is. And then I had a funny feeling you were going to mention Winovich because I remembered your piece and I remember how much I enjoyed it and really how much I loved reading it. And I, I kind of figured that's the direction that you were going to go in. And I'm happy to say that we all have somebody different. We all have somebody, uh, uh, you know, unique and interesting that uh, that we're uh, keeping our eye on. For me, it's cornerback Juwan Williams. And this is a kid that when he was drafted, um, and he came in. The Patriots were so high on this guy. I remember Nick Casario's post, uh, you know, post draft day press conference describing him, and you could see just the excitement that he had that the Patriots were able to procure Williams, one of the very few players that you heard a significant draft buzz before the draft coming in, and they actually were able to trade up and get him. They actually traded with the Rams of all teams uh, to be able to draft to get up and uh, and get him. But this is a kid. He's got rare size for his position. He's six foot four, two hundred. 11 pounds. Um, he's the tallest cornerback that was selected by the Patriots in the Bill Belichick era. And this is, sub, excuse me, this is something that Bill Belichick had hinted at just a week before in a press conference uh, that he had given about size at the cornerback position and being able to defend some of these big wide receivers that are coming down the pike, having a guy that could basically step forward, be match them size for size, and hit them in the mouth a little bit. Um, Williams is that guy. He does have that physicality to his game. He's been compared to a Brandon Browner type, and I think he has the uh, the chance to be much better than, than Browner was. But he's along those types of lines, and a lot of people have compared he and Stephon Gilmore possibly being paired as sort of like a Revis-Browner combination. And we all know that worked out pretty well for the New England Patriots when they actually did that. I still think Jackson is going to be the guy that lines up on the the other side of him, but Williams has a chance. Even though he's a rookie, Bill Belichick is not afraid to put these guys out there if he feels they're going to give him the best chance to win. Um, on top of the the size that he has for the position, uh, he really had a very impressive uh, you know junior season with Vanderbilt. 61 total tackles, four interceptions, 13 passes defended. At the NFL Combine, he ran a 4.64 second 40-yard dash. He put up 17 reps on the bench press. So this is a guy that has strength and size. He's a big physical tough corner that really when paired with a guy like Stefan Gilmore could be a very very interesting addition to this team so I'm going to have a major eye on Juwan Williams during training camp during mini camp it was funny he actually got into a little bit of a scuffle showed a little bit of veteran chutzpah I guess is the best way to put it uh, with some guys that have been with the team for a little while so he's not afraid to get in there and mix it up and I think he's going to be a very very interesting watch during training camp 
Well, gentlemen, it's been a pleasure sharing the microphone with you tonight. Uh, you always bring a wealth of knowledge to the table, and I hope our listeners walked away, uh, you know, listening to this uh, with more knowledge than they've had on some of the uh, the, the positional battles, uh, some of the players that we've chronicled. I know I have. You guys make me look a lot more intelligent than I truly am, and I do appreciate that from the bottom of my heart. Uh, before we close out tonight, um, Hal, I'll start with you and then over to Chris. Uh, let us know where we can find you on social media, uh, some of the, uh, the great work that you do at fullpresscoverage.com, and anything you'd like to really tell our listeners about yourself going forward. Oh, yeah. So, um, you know, I, I grew up in the shadow of uh, Foxborough Stadium right up the street here, a couple towns away. Um, you're going to find me on Full Press Coverage, obviously. You can find me on Twitter. I'm at halbent zero one on Twitter. Um, Mike, you and I go back and forth throughout the game uh, when you're on the Full Press Coverage site as well. We're both live treats live tweeting almost every game so um, a lot of uh, interaction during the Patriots games there as well. um, and uh, like I said I'm glad to be here on the, the Patriots podcast as well and you'll be able to hear me on podcasts uh, my buddy who runs the Sports Crunch podcast where I have to be up on all 32 NFL teams which is exhausting but you'll hear me on there this season as well Okay, Mr. Simino. Well, you can find me, obviously, on, on full uh, press coverage. I'll be writing articles all year. Probably a little bit more material out of me this year than we have last year. As my kids get a little bit older, things are a little bit easier as far as time is concerned, so it allows me to produce a little bit more more content, so I'll be sure to, to post that for you guys. I'm a pretty regular presence on Twitter. Um, sometimes I get in a little bit of trouble, but it's always interesting. Uh, my Twitter profile is Chris underscore Simino. In fact, I just got an email from them saying that today is my 10-year Twitter anniversary, so I've been on there since the start of this thing. So I have my Excellent. fun on there. and Yeah, I have fun on there. and I interact with all the fans, too, so if you have any questions or anything, if you, if you reach out to me, I will definitely respond to you. Everybody who follows me, I follow them back just to be the good guy. If you say anything controversial, I will probably unfollow you. That's just the way I go. Um, I also coach football and basketball and baseball over at Westboro High School, so I'm a pretty busy guy, um, but that allows me to see a little bit further into the way the game works, I think, than some of the other guys that we work with, and I think that helps me a little bit. And So any questions that any fans have for me as far as you know, offensive line stuff that they may not understand or blocking techniques and things of that nature, I can answer all that type of stuff. So, uh, again, you can find me on Twitter. You can find me on Full Press Coverage, and you're going to be finding me on a lot of these podcasts because I'm really looking forward to this season, and it's going to be fun to run with. So I'll be all over the place, but Twitter is my main domain. Excellent, and definitely, and I can highly recommend both of these gentlemen as excellent and tremendous Twitter follows. If you're not following Chris or Hal, you absolutely have to. As a Patriots fan, as a human being, I recommend following these guys because they really, really are very good at what they do. As for myself, you can follow me at Twitter, on Twitter, excuse me, you can follow me at M-D-A-B-A-T-E-F-P-C. You can find my work and the work of all our great writers at FPC underscore Patriots and at FPC underscore NFL. Uh, the work of our great team across all 32 NFL teams and across all four major sports as well, as well as MMA, MLS soccer, uh, pro wrestling. We're really, really expanding our brand at fullpresscoverage.com. I highly recommend everyone taking the opportunity to check our website out 
very excited to announce that on Google Play, we do have a full press coverage app available. You can search for it on the full press, um, excuse me, you can search for it on the Google Play App Store and download it. It will very soon be available on Apple iTunes. We're very close to getting that uh, um, up and running. And also, the podcast that you're listening to right now, as well as all of the podcasts on the FBC Radio Network, are available both on Google and on Apple Play to uh, be able to, both on Google Play and on Apple to be able to uh, uh, to download. So we highly recommend doing that and uh, and downloading the app. Um, on behalf of myself, Chris, and Hal, we definitely thank you for being with us tonight. Uh, we look forward to bringing you this coverage throughout the course of the NFL season and the Patriots season as we head towards the opening game on September 8, 2019 against the Pittsburgh Steelers where the Patriots will unveil banner number six. And it will be a happening in Foxborough. There is no question about it. On behalf of Hal Bent, Chris Simino, I am Mike DeBate. Thank you for joining us on the Full Press Radio Network tonight. The Full Press Patriots podcast has come to an end for tonight, but we will be back next week with all new content. And we wish you a good night, and thank you once again.